This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Luke and Katie Abafi had an awakening to the truth of Torah like many Christians. The difference was they made a documentary about their journey and today they are taking the next step that they hope will spark a reformation in the hearts of believers worldwide. You will hear their testimony and their passion tonight because it's the end of the sixth day. The sun is set and this is Shabbat Night Live. Well, Shabbat Shalom, Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Back in September, we had a two-episode special with behind-the-scenes footage of Michael Rood's interview for a 2017 documentary that was called The Way. And tonight, we invited the filmmakers, Luke and Katie Abafi, to tell us about what they are doing now, and it's some pretty interesting stuff. The first of three episodes called The Way of Messiah is coming up next. But first, could it be we're already at the 12th month on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar? There you see it there. And that means Passover 2023 is six weeks away. Let's talk about that with my co-host, Ted Clayton. Ladies and gentlemen, you are going to want to be there for Passover 2023. Set the captives free. Mm -hmm. It is going to be something else, and we are, we have a, as they say in the movies, we have a star-studded group yes. of individuals that are going to teach us great things that we need to know about the Bible. Yes, and it's not just me and Ted, you know. Nope. But no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got, we've got Nehemia Gordon, yeah. we've got uh, Matthew Vanderels, who's actually doing the, uh, the love gift for this month. Yes. Which is, by the way, there's only a few days left to get it, by the way, so uh, we'll let the commercial do it, the talking later, but it's the Radical Rabbi from Matthew Vanderell's. That's and outstanding teaching. It is, yeah. And together. just by the way, so I handed this to someone who was kind of questioning their faith and trying to figure out what, mm -hmm. what we do in our house. Yes. And I, we let him watch this. And he said, you know what? I, I can't disagree with anything that's said in there. So it's a great introduction to Absolutely. say, here's what I believe and why I believe it. Don't take it from me. Take it from Matthew Vanderell's. But anyway, so he's going to be at Passover. Right, and Tim Mahoney Tim, is oh, going to oh, be right. here about that. Yes. to talk about his latest movie. Keith Johnson is going to be here. And of course, Michael Rood will be oh. here with us for Passover 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be an event that you're not going to want to miss. And sign up is still happening now. Yes, it is. There's the information at the bottom of the screen. All you have to do is go to PassoverCharlotte.com. You'll see the uh, the watch link that you can uh, sign up for there. And we have recipes to give away yeah. so that you can prepare right. before Passover and get everything ready so you can you know download that now. Yep. Uh, that's going to be in your confirmation email. When you sign up, you get an email with all the instructions and the links and all that kind of stuff to get 20% off in the store that weekend mm -hmm. and the recipes and all that good stuff. So make sure you watch for that email because sometimes it goes to people's spam and you want to make sure you get that because it has all the keys to the stuff in there. So That's right. And don't forget, Dr. Scott Laird's going to be there as well. And what are you going to be teaching on, Dr. Scott? Break free, uh, taking into account the, uh, the theme of breaking free, but uh, breaking free from big pharma. You know, I'll tell you, 
and I, I feel led to share my testimony with that. Oh, just please a do. Little bit. Um, for years and years, you know, uh, people of my stature, <laughs> my size, uh, we typically have to take a lot of medications, okay? But I'm telling you, I got with Dr. Laird, I got with his friend Billy Weiss, mm -hmm. and they turned me on to some supplementation that was absolutely fantastic. And the very first thing Billy said to me was, Ted, it's killing you. Mm. The things that are supposed to be saving your life are killing you. And I'm gonna tell you, ladies and gentlemen, my blood sugar has never been better today. Uh, simple supplements yeah. that you just never think of. And ladies and gentlemen, I have a medical background. So I used to I used to think of these things as kind of voodoo medicine. Like you know, snake oil. That's type right. Of stuff. There yeah. you go. But um, uh, it turned my life around. I know Keith wow. Johnson recently had a show with you about how yeah. his life was turned around uh, with that. But it's also turned my life around. So we're glad to have you help teach us at Passover uh, how to stay away from big pharma. Well, I appreciate that. You were showing me something before the cameras came on. I want to. I want you to show everybody else instead. <laughs> So, okay. Tell them about this wedding ring. I will. Okay, so this is my wedding ring. Hello, Donna. Uh, but <laughs> before I started taking those, and I know this sounds like a commercial, but it's really not. We're not selling anything, ladies and gentlemen. But I could never get this ring off. It was swollen to my hand, you know, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. And now, if I just <laughs> do that, wow. it literally will drop off of my hand. It is literally, there's no swelling. And that was because I changed my lifestyle. I changed the way I do things, and it has just been a miracle. I'm really happy for you that, that that's happening. So that's it, wonderful. That's that's just a testimony right there with yeah, <laughs> the ring falling off. It that's is. That's great. Now, we said this was the last chance to get this love gift. So let's make sure we talk about this before we, uh, mm -hmm. well, first of all, yes, we, we talked about Passover. Make yep. sure you do that. So don't get forget in about Passover. that. All right, so now, one of the teachers there is Matthew Vanderels. Excellent. And this month, he's talking about the radical rabbi, and it's quite simply, he says, what made Yeshua different from the rabbis of his time? Because there were lots of rabbis. Oh, sure, of right? course, of course. And, and why did everyone run to see him, and what was it that made his message so radical? And so, Matthew Vanderels breaks down what Yeshua was stripping away, as Michael has so eloquently told us for many Absolutely. years. Uh, what was it that Yeshua was stripping down, and what was he raising up? And Matthew does a great job of explaining that. And of course, you'll see this and go, oh, that's, you know, I've been trying to explain to my friends and family what my faith is all about, and they're wondering why I'm doing this Torah observant thing. Right. Hand them this. Absolutely. This just explains it so well. And it comes mm -hmm. from somebody other than you, and they might just even grasp onto it after they see this. They'll go, you know what? You've got a point. I like what this guy said. What else you got? Open there you door, go, right? boom. There you go. Yep. Now, so that is for a love gift of $50 or more. We want to send this to say thank you very much. Michael always wants to say thanks for donating to this ministry. I want to give you something. Ladies and gentlemen, we could not do this without your sacrificial giving, and we thank you so very, very much for that. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, these things are important. They're important because you can start conversations about your faith with these. You know, what is the widow's might? Okay, have the conversation about that. Uh, where did you get these candlesticks from? Well, they're from the Holy Land, and guess what? Boom, and you're into the conversation mm -hmm. right there. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Vanderell is a very, very gifted teacher, and you're not gonna wanna miss this very important teaching he did called yep. the Radical Rabbi. Absolutely, and he's sort of that new generation coming absolutely. up. Absolutely, that's what's so world. wonderful about it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Now. 
Tonight, we have a teaching from Katie and Luke Abafi. Here's a little bit. The tree trunk idea is that the law is still relevant to our modern day lives. And that's kind of the big shift that mm. the, the, the documentary tries to cover anyway. There you have it, all right. So documentary filmmakers Luke and Katie Abafi share their story of how they are taking the next step to spark a reformation. Yep, another reformation in the hearts of believers worldwide. So go get your bread and wine because The Kiddish with Michael is next. We'll see you back here in two minutes. What made Yeshua different from the rabbis of his time? Why did everyone run to see him wherever he went? What was it that made his message so radical? Yeshua sits down among a crowd, like any teacher should do, and he begins a powerful message that spans several chapters, and it's radical, and it's messy, and it's hard. The Radical Rabbi with Pastor Matthew Vanderels brings context and clarity to the culture of the first century explaining how Yeshua's teachings were able to convince a people surrounded by rules and religion to lead their lives in a radically different way. The Radical Rabbi with Matthew Vanderels is our gift to thank you for supporting A Rude Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in February, we'll send you The Radical Rabbi on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you The Radical Rabbi Plus, the Faith and Generosity box set, featuring a solid wood pen, a 150-page journal, and a unique coffee mug featuring the story of the widow's mite. Donate $300 and we'll send you three gifts. The Radical Rabbi, the Faith and Generosity box set, plus a pair of authentic Jerusalem stone candle holders decorated with replicas of ancient biblical medals. Get these gifts now for a limited time from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Get these exclusive thank you gifts when you make a donation to support A Rood Awakening International in February. Call 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online with a donation at monthlylovegift.com. Folks around these parts tell me you're pretty quick with that shofar. I am. And that's a, a mighty purdy holster you got there. You sure you can... Uh, <clears throat> Make me one? I am. Dude, why do you keep saying I am? It's the name of God, dude. Yehovah, you know, I am. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> There's only one problem with that, partner. You see, this Sabbath gathering ain't big enough for two shofar. Are you saying we should draw? I am. Man.
the night of the Last Supper, Yeshua took bread and he blessed the Most High. Barukata Yehovah Elohim Malakalam Hamotzi Lachem Miharetz. And he said, This represents my body, which will be broken for you. As often as you do it from now on, understand this has always represented my broken body. And often, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of what I'm about to do for you. Then he took his cup and he told his disciples after he blessed it, after he blessed the Most High, and he said, Baruch Atah Yehovah Elohino Melech HaAlam, Borei Pri Hagafen. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth and has created the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, you divide my cup among yourselves. And as he passed his cup around and they poured a bit of his into their cups, it got back to him empty and he said, I will not drink a drop of the fruit of the vine till I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. But as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Not only that I will pay for the broken covenant, that I will pay for the transgression, that I will renew the covenant in my blood, but also remember that I am waiting for you at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and that is when I will drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Until then, Shabbat Shalom. subjects you never talk about are what? Politics, religion. Well, we're gonna introduce you to a couple of folks today who have touched on both of those and ruffled some feathers, and rightfully so. Please welcome Luke and Katie Abafi. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks. Thank thanks you. for having us. Yeah, you know, a lot of folks probably see you on screen going, wait a minute, I know these people. Where do I know them from? You know them from the Way documentary, right? That was your first uh, kick at the cat. And uh, we have all kinds of stories to tell about that. And uh, But first of all, let's find out who you guys are. I mean, your kids are in the other room uh, playing with one of our team members. So thank you to Tiffany, who's doing that. <laughs> yes. yeah. But you guys, obviously, you, you have a family just like everyone else. You, you, you have a story of how you met. And so before we get into the documentaries you've done and the lives you changed and all this kind of stuff, tell us, you know, how did you guys meet? Was it school? Was it work? Like, what happened here? Do you want me to start? Or do you Go for it. Yeah, okay. let's hear it. All right. Well, <laughs> I was in New York, and I was working at a magazine there, an engineering magazine. And I met her at a non-denominational church in, that was meeting in the New York Times building. And so I saw her on the stage singing, because that was her, that was one of her many previous careers. She was a <laughs> child actress, and then she was a singer. We said, and, I don't even know any of this. We, we planned these I know, episodes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Y'all didn't tell me any of this. Okay, keep going. Okay, I'm going to ask myself stuff later. Retirement. I don't yeah. talk about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you talking usually. But um, so I met her at that church, saw her singing, and I guess the rest was history. Um, you know when they have that greeting time and the pastor's like, turn around and say hi to your neighbor. And yes. then I saw him turn around and this like beam of a smile. I was like, this is the world's happiest person. I like this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, so you were not on stage at this moment singing. You were obviously in the in Yeah, the crowd. well, that was a different time. That's when I first became aware of Luke. Okay. <laughs> and Luke, you shook her hand and went, 
Wow. Is that was that how this went or what? <laughs> it's similar to that. It's okay. similar to that. Yeah. I actually was I was going out with <laughs> yeah, she was dating my friends friend. at the time. Okay. So okay. we were just friends and we all hung out and yeah, we were there at that church and I had just finished college in New York and Luke was working for that engineering magazine doing like journalism and stuff. And okay, very yeah. good. All right, so you, you worked in journalism and obviously, so child acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So this, this kind of plays, because you guys have done documentaries, so this kind of fits. So, so tell me about, if you want to, the, the, the child actress part of your life. Oh man, well briefly, um, when I was little, I just was like, I need an agent, mom and dad. And they were like, no you don't. But they let me pursue it, and I, so I did a bunch of commercials, and I like... Um, Anything we would know? Yeah, my first job was like a Washington Post commercial. They had this section, the Kids Post, like a newspaper for kids. But then I did like um, Law & Order SVU. I played this Nigerian like slave trafficked little girl in like a dungeon um, and like Gossip Girl later. And then The Wire on you were HBO. Gossip girl? One episode. Really? So just like these small parts, but. Um, wow, okay. So you were like, how old were you? Like just little? Like From like elementary to the last kind of like main job was into college. And then I ended up just moving away from it. So. Wow, did you have like formal training or you just sort of fell into this or what? Just, I don't know. I loved acting and I just kind of studied it on my own. I was, I had like a notebook and I would walk around like observing people. Like mm -hmm. what do people do when they wait in line and when they cry? I don't know, I just kind of tried to teach myself. <laughs> well, you were so young when you started that, yeah. that just, you had to pick it up. I this guess. was right. just a child's <laughs> observation and you were good. You were So this tells me that when there were family gatherings at your place, you were the one singing. You were the one entertaining people. Is this right? My mom's family is like quite musical. So when they get together, they do have like people playing guitar and singing and stuff. And so the idea of doing a kind of more creative career wasn't super weird to my parents because of that. Okay. Maybe that was a blessing. So they didn't just like shut it down. That's cool. So this is sort of in your family, this sort of performance uh, artistry and that kind of thing. I guess it is, yeah. Wow, cool. Okay, are your kids into that now? Well, do they man, sing, do they dance, do they... Yeah, Max is about as loud as anyone will let him be. He's a so. ham. He he has phases. He had a very strong cowboy phase where he introduced himself as John Wayne in the grocery store. Oh, yeah, he was John Wayne. Well, this morning we gave him markers, <laughs> and the first thing he drew was a cowboy boots, right? With, like, the spurs. Yeah, yeah, I am. And Sam, he likes to, like, just climb things and dance around. Okay. I'm not sure what he'll be into, but he's only, like, almost two. He'll be a handful two. is what he'll be. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, your kids are great, and they're so intelligent and so polite. Oh, man. You guys came into the Thank parking you. lot, and you know, Max was the first one to say hello to me, and he shook my hand, and <laughs> oh, little Sam gives me a fist bump, and, yeah, this is great. I mean, you guys are, Thanks, kids are wonderful. So, obviously, you've done something right here. That's a compliment. Well, Thank you. We're, gonna, we're trying. You, you've done a whole lot right. They're so. little. we got to see how they turn out, but... Yeah. <laughs> No, they're going to turn out good. <laughs> yeah. We're going to say that right now. Yes. We're going to prophesy that over your yes. kids. Okay. They're going to be great. So, and you know, your documentaries uh, are, are wonderful as well. So, a, a lot of folks know you from the way. Now, this is where you went around and got a lot of interviews. And and uh, I'm going to ask you how this started because we're going to get into Michael Rood because Michael Rood has a little piece to play in this too. I mean, we just recently played the raw footage that you guys so graciously gave us to gave to us, and we did a little special on Michael. Uh, for Shabbat Night Live. Uh, but tell us how this started. You're both in, meeting in a Christian church in New York City and the New York Times building of all places. And then how does Torah play into your life? Where did this come from? Oh my goodness. Well, all right. I can't say it without talking about my mom. She's the intrusion into this story. She called me. I'm in New York with Katie, not at the time, but that's the time I know her then. And she says she's not gonna celebrate Christmas that year. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. And so that was my reaction. It's kind of crazy, but whatever. You know, 
let's see why. And she told me her reasons. And I thought about them, but kind of forgot about it for a while. But eventually I looked into those things. And as a journalist, I thought, let's see if there's any meat behind her reasons, any historical, like, truth there. Yeah. And it seemed like she was right, about, or possibly right, about a lot of her assertions. And so that just made me start researching more and more, and uh, other things. She started bringing up, you know, like, Saturday being Shabbat. So let me just get, so hold on, let me, let me hold you there yeah, for a yeah. second. So Ma, why did mom get into this? What was her reasoning? Oh my gosh, we need to have her here too. Um, <laughs> she's told me a million times. Oh, was it man. long, long time ago, or she just recently got into it and then started telling you, or, or what? Hers was probably around 2010. Okay. And then mine probably like 2013 is when I start looking into this. We get married 2014, and then I'm still like solidifying my perspective. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't remember what her thing was. What was her thing? I can't remember. Well, regardless, so she's telling you about the Sabbath and things like this, and then, uh, so you start digging into this? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, you, and you and Katie are together at this point. We're dating. You're yeah. dating, okay. We're dating, All right. and then as I'm like looking into this, we get engaged, I move to California, we then get married, and she moves out there too, and then, then we just are discussing this. Yeah. And uh, she totally didn't agree. Um, <laughs> I did not agree. I remember we were like kind of on a date walking in this Christmas, like a night market in like New York City. It was in um, Union Square, I think. And you were talking about how you had, we're starting to have convictions about Christmas. And I was like, well, my kids are going to have Christmas. Like, I don't know about you. You know, I was kind of teasing them or whatever. But um, even before we got married, I was talking to my parents and thinking, this is like becoming a divide in our faith. And should I, you know, do you think this is okay? Do you like give your full blessing yeah. and stuff? Because they're very strong believers and like raised me and my brother that way. Um, and they were like, well, do you see Luke like reading scripture and changing based on what he sees, listening to the Holy Spirit? And um, you do you know that his love for God and his faith is solid? And I said, well, yeah. And they thought, well, well, then great, he'll be fine. He'll straighten okay. out. He'll come around. He'll, okay, he'll come quit around. talking he'll about all this around. stuff. Okay. You know, not knowing yeah. that then later I would have kind of the same... Well, good for them. You know, that's big for parents to say that rather than, oh, no, this is heathen. No, 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 you can't do this, right? So they actually gave gave you the benefit of the doubt and said, well, if you love God, what's the difference? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. they're great, they're great. And I think they knew that she was smart. And they're like, she's smart, she'll understand what's true and what's not true. And I knew that too. And I think that's what made me just feel comfortable without being fully on the same page. Because we have, you know, we Torah observant believers and Christians in, who really love Yah, I feel like we have a, the majority in common. And so I said, all right, we have a lot in common. She'll see whether this is true or not. And mm-hmm. she didn't believe any of my arguments. Nothing worked. Um. <laughs> we had a lot of like Bible study dates, like date, I had like pizza and wine or whatever. And we're like talking about the Bible and he's bringing up all these verses. And I'm just like, it's kind of just going over my head because I had the theology that I grew up with and it yeah. felt so neat and tidy. And I thought, we're just in the new covenant. This doesn't apply. You know, like we don't need to be doing these things still. Yeah. And, um, but then after we got married, a few months after I had this dream and when I woke up, I just knew like that all of it was true and everything could kind of click in place and it was a very like overwhelming moment. Would you mind telling us about that dream? Because I know you, you wanted to 
to tell everyone about, about this, uh, this epiphany you had. So. Oh man, it, it might sound weird. You know how when you have a dream and it kind of makes sense to you, but um, basically I was like in the house where I grew up um, sitting in the living room with friends. It was like a Bible study sort of circle. And it's just like, we were talking about love and forgiveness and like things that mm -hmm. are important. And in the circle with me and all my friends was kind of like a demonic creature Ooh, okay. <laughs> that just seemed scary and dangerous. And I was like, why is this in our circle? Why is this um, in our home? And it's trying to destroy us basically. And when I woke up, I took that creature to be sin. I hadn't defined sin the same way scripture does and the same way God does where he says, sin is the transgression of the law. I had in my circle, in my home, things I was doing that um, weren't just matters of like Christian liberty, but sin are things that are destructive. Hmm. I see now that things that are sin lead to death and things that are obedience lead to life. And that's why. So you don't want to dabble like in that stuff. Um, so then the Sabbath became really important and food and feasts and things. So that you woke up from this and like, what's your initial reaction? Like that was a weird dream. What the heck does that mean? I mean, what? I knew what it meant when I woke up, really? which was weird because I never have dreams like that. And I really haven't since, but I just, Hmm. Woke up and then cried. <laughs> yep, I know how you feel because I had a dream like that as well, like about my wife, where mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out if, if I was supposed to. This is before we got married, right? So had this dream where I'm walking with Yeshua. I know it's Yeshua because I, he's walking beside me. I know it, but I can't see his face. It's just light, right? Mm -hmm. So I, oh, oh, this is this is Yeshua, right? And we're walking through this wheat field, and he picks a wheat uh, a head of wheat off. He rolls it in his hands, blows away the chaff, and he goes here. This is your life. What are you gonna, oh no, he, he, sorry, he didn't roll away, he didn't, uh, I'm mixing it up. He, he rolled it up, but he gave it to me. He says, this is your life, what are you gonna do? So I lean over and I blow the chaff out of his hand. And he says, very good. And he closes his hand on the, on the kernels and walks away. And I turned around, there's my wife sitting in, in the wheat field, as she's still my girlfriend or a fiance at this time. End of dream. Whoa. And I'm like, whoa, what does that mean? And over, it took me years, not like you, I didn't figure it out when I first woke mm -hmm. up. It took me years to figure out that if I clean up my life and do only those things which are good, mm -hmm. the kernels, not the, all the chaff, then we will have a blessed life oh. with, with my wife. So that's I have, so cool. you know, it took me years to figure that out. But, but anyway, so that's cool. So that your life turned around because of a dream as well. Mm -hmm. And how many times do we see that in Bible where it, it, took, it takes a dream or a vision or something for folks to, to see this, right? So you're seeing this. So now, that, so this was obviously not enough to give either of you cold feet to get married. No, and this was after we were married. This was like three, oh, right, three months right. or yeah. so after we were married. And yeah, yeah. Wow. So you got married knowing that it's gonna be okay because like your, your, your family said, hey, you, know, you guys believe enough alike, it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was just comfortable because she was smart. <laughs> and I thought she'll, she'll see. So when things went over your head, was it kind of like, well, yeah, you may have a point, but it's not worth, it's like not worth dwelling on because it doesn't matter. Is it like one of those things? It was that. I kept feeling like, why are you scratching an itch that doesn't itch? You're you like go. asking yeah. non-questions, you know? And the other thing was, I think there's a spiritual component too to what we hear and understand. We all pray and when we read the Bible and when we're praying and we say, okay, you know, give me understanding, help me to know you more. And that it just wasn't revealed until, until a certain time. And hmm. I think I couldn't hear certain things. Because then after I had the dream, so many of our conversations and like the verses and scriptures that you brought up, then they like locked into place. Ah. So what was your initial reaction when you, Katie wakes up and says, I had this dream, blah, blah, blah. And you go, 
I was like, you're saying I'm right? <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> no, no. I, I said, that's amazing. Um, I and every woman in the audience would... went, no. That's not what I said. <laughs> like, no. You no, were like, let's make was... a documentary about it and tell everyone that we're weird now. And I thought, oh, goodness. Eventually, oh. I did say that. But at first, I was just glad. I was glad because I... Wasn't sure, I, and I was always sure. Yeah. I always knew somehow. Maybe I just had faith that she would see this because I thought it was true and everyone would see it. And maybe when we first see this, we all think that, you know? Maybe we think, all right, this makes sense and it's true and we know that the truth will be known. And so we uh, assume that all believers will see it immediately when we, when we give them our version of it. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't always happen. And it didn't happen in this case. And the dream made it happen. So it was wonderful. So, okay, so again, so you have the dream, you have the reaction, and obviously you're not thinking, we should need to make a documentary about this instantly. I mean, there's gonna be some kind of, so is, is it like, well, we need to tell our family about this. Now that we're on one page together, what do we do? Well, what did you do about that now that you're on the same page? Man, well, I... My mom was already on this bandwagon because she was the one who introduced me to this. And so I was thinking this means if we're right, because also her dream was even a confirmation to me because I was newly coming into this. And I thought, okay, this is even more confirmation. It's more than just me. Right? Yeah. yeah. And okay. so I thought if this is true, which we think it is, then it means that there are errors in mainstream Christian doctrine that have been there for 2,000 years, which is insane. And so I thought, this is a big story to tell and, and the most important story that we can tell. And so as a journalist, I started looking into that story and thinking, we need to tell it. Okay, so, and obviously with your background and being in front of the camera, you're familiar with all this kind of stuff. So did you guys think, hey, we should make a documentary together? Did you always kind of want to make film together? Or how did that idea even come about? I don't know if we ever wanted to make like films or anything like that. I, I had done a lot of video work like at this magazine for their online stuff. And I had done a lot of news writing. Um, and I, I was attracted to film, yeah. And attracted to documentaries because you can tell journalistic stories or research via video. And so, yeah, I was interested in that. And I thought it had to be the way that this story was told. Yeah. And No pun intended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she had experience with video and film in the past. Realizing that film. it wasn't just our story of like seeing these things in scripture and having it like flip your life around, but that there are so many people who are in this, on the same journey. Mm. We thought we could almost just tell one story that like fits, that every, a lot of people will um, feel like it's theirs mm. and um, in college, I studied creative writing nonfiction. So I love nonfiction, and I like the idea of taking the truth and making it beautiful or, like, doing some artful, weird presentation of it. So, like, documentary was, like, an extension of that um, because it is mm. something true, but you can kind of present it and shape yeah. it in an interesting way, hopefully. So how do you... you say, okay, so you have this idea, hey, maybe we should put our talents together and do some, do this project together. So... What are you guys doing at that time? You're married, obviously planning family in the future. What are your jobs at this moment? And I mean, how does even the thought of a documentary fit into that? So should I take it? Yeah, yeah. We were, I was working at the magazine and I was working remotely from Southern California. We were living on the beach, it was great. And um, I, had, I was also going around doing stories and shooting stuff. 
And I thought, why don't I just start filming this? Because we have what we need to do it. And it's the most important story that we have to do it. And so whenever I would go to a job for the magazine, I would also try and schedule an interview with like a historian or someone in the movement or, yeah, yeah, or a teacher like Michael Rood when we f- were able to actually connect with him. Mm-hmm. And, and then we would film and then it was a long road of filming. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's how it started. <laughs> okay, so you just basically kind of dovetailed what you already do and... Yeah, and I worked there throughout the production of the movie, throughout filming, throughout editing, and then we released it and eventually I, I started freelancing for them. And so what do you do, real quick, we just got like a minute left. Oh. Uh, what do you do with... Oh, we'll come back, don't worry, we'll come back. There's more <laughs> to this story. But actually, you know what? I'm going to save this next question. I'm going to save okay. this <laughs> for the next bit because it's going to take more than a minute to, uh, to do. But guys, I want to thank you for being here and bringing your family here. And uh, you guys are here because of, well... Because of you. I mean, you brought them here. Thank you for bringing Katie and Luke here and their family. Uh, it's, it's because of you that we can do Shabbat Night Live, and it's because of you we can do programs like this and let folks know how others have come about learning this kind of thing and how maybe you can take their example and show friends and family how, you know, it's not just you, it's these folks too and everybody. There's all kinds of people coming into this. So how did that happen? So the way you can do that is spread this. And the way we spread this is to support Shabbat Night Live. That's the only way we can keep doing this kind of thing. So we thank you for your support in the past and we pray that you would continue to support us in the future. And here's an opportunity to do that right now. Thank you. Thank you for supporting Shabbat Night Live. It's because of you that we can have Luke and Katie Abafi here. And we were just talking about your first documentary because there's more. We're gonna get into more of this in the next couple of weeks, uh, describe all that you guys have done, but uh, we're talking about The Way. So this was your first documentary you're working on. You are working with uh, an organization in New York from California, traveling all over the place, using the opportunity to get interviews as you go, mm-hmm. bringing those home, starting to compile them, and at what point are you going, hmm, we need some money to make this happen. How do we do that? <laughs> oh yeah, we were just self-funding it all. Um, because, it, yeah, which ended up, it ended up costing a little bit um, just for the part that we had filmed. So we're filming probably from May 2015 until the end of the year. So December and or November, and that's when I thought, let's see if anyone is interested in this. And I thought that Kickstarter would be a good way to see if that if they were or not, to kind of test and see, you know, will anyone care when we release this, or will it be just kind of a pet project? And so then we thought, let's do it on Kickstarter and see if anyone wants to help, like um, reimburse me for like spending all the money on on filming it. And we did the Kickstarter, and it succeeded and like it was more than we thought it would and which was great because it actually covered um the post-production and the rest of the film really which i was only guessing how much will this cost and i was way wrong (laughs) so for other folks who have a, a, a dream and a vision like you guys did i'm sure the question in their mind is how did you do that how did you get the word out that you even had a kickstarter what what did you do I think as we started filming, we had a little Facebook group and we would just kind of talk about what we were doing. And then once the trailer, Luke put together a trailer with the footage that we had for the movie, an initial one. And we and we said, okay, you can come over here to Kickstarter to see mm. it. Um, and yeah, we just tried to tell the what compelled us to tell this story and, and hopefully 
convey that it would maybe feel like their story too. Mm. And maybe it would be something that they could hand to their friend or family member who didn't understand why they wanted to, you know, do Passover instead of Christmas or something like that. Gotcha. And talked about how it could be a tool for that. And, um, and we had shot 90% of the film already. So we had a lot of footage to pull from so we could make a trailer that, that fleshed it out and a little bit and, and kind of introduced people to some of the um, characters that were going to be walking them through the story. And yeah. I think it resonated with a lot of people because they felt as if this were their story as well. Mm. And that was commonplace when we would interview everyone we interviewed from like Michael Root, who's used to talking about this stuff, yeah. to people who have never been on camera and never discussed these things before. Uh, it, the, the story was similar of how they eventually had parted ways with their church or, or kept going and maybe were having strained relationships over this sort of thing, and, and yeah. And the Kickstarter was crazy because it was more than just financial. Um, of course, that allowed us to hire this amazing composer to put a score mm. to the film and give it really that heart and that warmth. His, his name is Jake Hull, and he was a worship leader, and his music is so cool, and we worked on him with other documentaries. But also, a lot of people told us their stories, and those stories became part of the movie. Mm. So if we had finished the film without trying to do this, we would have missed people who were like part of the heart of the thing. Yeah. In the end, so. Yeah, the composer found us via Kickstarter. He messaged us and yeah. said, I think this oh, wow. sounds like a great story. Mm -hmm. And then we said, let's look at what, you know. And we listened to this song that he wrote for his wife, and it was so perfect for the film. So And moving. compelling. That, like, that's that we the main like, theme, and everything else needs to riff off wow. of that song. So you have this trailer, you have music now, and you're like, at what point are you looking at each other going, holy cow, we've got a film. We're making a film. Like... <laughs> Well, we, that was the goal, hopefully, if we could get everything together. But at, once the Kickstarter was successful, we were like, okay, we, we have to like make it happen it's properly. Yeah. And we continued filming. Um, we finished filming probably by the summer, that summer, like 2016, and edited from there and mm. delivered it late, sadly. <laughs> it's like our babies. I feel like my kids are late when I give birth in the movie. Like, there's a, a point with these projects where it kind of feels like labor, you got the thing in you, you're trying to get it out, it's like taking longer than you thought, you know? And it's, there are challenges, like technical problems, the website crashed the day we were mm. supposed to deliver it to everyone. And you have to just kind of try to pull you know, through that part. Tim Mahoney, which I'm sure you're familiar with, he had he told us a story just recently of that where his team was working on their next project, and overnight their entire system crashed, and they thought they had lost all their footage. Oh my! And they were about eighty yeah. percent done. And so, it, fortunately, they they had recovered it, but they thought it was gone. They thought the whole thing was gone. So I'm sure he feels your pain when uh, talking about that. We just watched his um, one of his documentaries during Sukkot. Oh yeah, we projected it oh, on yeah. the barn wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <that laughs> with our whole great. group. Yeah, that's so cool. So now you guys, uh, you talk about this uh, this trailer. If someone has not seen the way, which we're going to talk about more in just a second here, do we have a trailer we can share with folks? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. All right. Well, let's take a look. It's fascinating to me, we have only one person in the entire Bible that did everything right, and so we do everything the opposite. I think it's another issue with trying to read the scriptures literally. There's hundreds of laws, and many of them just don't apply today. 
If all of these things that are outlined in the Old Testament really point to our Messiah, it really begs the question, now why don't we do it? Paul says, away with these shadows, we have the substance that these shadows were pointing to, namely Jesus Christ. He who says he abides in him ought to himself walk just as he walked. Look at all these years that we've read these scriptures and we've missed core things. What you're doing is retrieving ancient truth that's been neglected or corrupted by church practices. Yeah. I'm nobody special, for sure. I mean, I'm a carpenter. They could have revealed this to big preachers, big famous people. And those who go after the true truth are truly rewarded for that. It's dangerous. It leads to pride. It leads to misdirecting your energies. You're in a cult. No, Mom, I'm not in a cult. No, I don't believe that. No, I don't believe this. We lost all of our friends. Even though I walk alone, I will follow. I will follow my Messiah for the rest of my life. And I don't care if I walk alone. I don't care if anybody goes with me. I will still follow. All right, so there you have it. There, there was a trailer for The Way, if someone has never seen this before. And of course, Michael Rood is, is in this movie. And I remember when you guys came here and you, uh, you gave us the footage of that interview. It was back in 2015, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. And we were in Michael's office, which is just right over here on the other side of the studio. And uh, <laughs> there's a story in there. I don't think you guys know the, the end of it. He was talking about this Bible he had bound and rebound, and it was like a 40-year-old Bible and all his notes in it. I don't yeah. know if you guys remember that, but anyway, so... Yeah. There's a story you guys don't know. And I was gonna tell you before the cameras came on, I thought, no, no, I'm gonna wait till the, the cameras are on. So that Bible was stolen. And, and uh, I told you that much. And Katie went, well, how did, why did someone steal a Bible? Who steals a Bible? So like, just there. asking for it. Right, so <laughs> he, he and his wife, Anna Lil, are on the road. I forget what we were doing. He was going to speak somewhere, I think. And uh, they had this car with a, with a sunroof in it. And they went to a hotel. And that night, they left the car outside. And, where he parked, and then he had his Bible in the car, but he also left his laptop in the car. Well, it was in plain view. Mm -hmm. So someone broke in through the sunroof oh. and stole the laptop and went, oh, there's a, I'm gonna grab this too. And it was Michael's prized Bible. So he lost not only the Bible that with all the notes that he'd been writing for, and that's where he, he got a lot of his material for Shabbat Night Live, the mm -hmm. chronological gospels, the 70 week ministry of Messiah's uh, poster, all that stuff was in, written in the notes and in the margins of his Bible, oh. all of that. Oh. And not to mention all of the footage 
that he had uh, collected over the years and you know things he had written was all in his laptop with, I'm assuming, no, no backup because we didn't find mm. a lot of that stuff anywhere else. So it was all gone. Oh, so now he yeah. had to go for memory for a lot of it. Yeah. But he did it. <laughs> he just kept going. Wow. But yeah, so that, that's crazy things that can happen, uh, you know, like when you're, when you're filming, I guess, and when you're, you know, like stuff when you're traveling even. So yes. anyway, so there's lots of stories, I'm sure, crazy things like that that when you're filming mm-hmm. and you went from place to place to place. So yeah. what did you guys learn that you didn't realize you'd run into when you start collecting all this Oh my footage. goodness. There are so many like wild stories. And then there's so much that we learned from the people we interviewed. Because we interviewed Michael Rood and other teachers who knew a lot more than us. Know a lot more than us. <laughs> and um, during that time, it was we were doing a lot of research into each one of these aspects that are different between mainstream Christian doctrine and and Torah observant Christian doctrine. I mean, Torah observant doctrine. And they were helping stitch all that together just by listening to the interviews and listening to and asking them these questions. Like, not only how they came into this, but why? What 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 were that what was their biblical reason? Mm. And so like like that's what makes I think the behind the scenes footage so beneficial of interviews like Michael Rood and others, because um, you get to hear how they connected the dots and came to these decisions themselves. And we were learning that the first time, and so that's a lot of what we learned in the interviews. So in these interviews, is there any point where you thought, oh man, I wish we would have kept the cameras rolling? Or, or did you just roll them the whole time because you knew you'd catch stuff? Oh yeah, we, we left them rolling all the time, but mm. we ran out, sometimes the camera would turn off or whatnot. It's like, had- don't say anything good while I'm changing the battery. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely had a few mishaps there. I left the biggest, our, our hard drive, speaking of almost losing data, I left our hard drive in the window and the window was open. And, and it, it rained. rained on this big like G-Raid array. And I thought that that was all gone, but we were able to recover that, thank goodness. Scary <laughs> moment, though. <laughs> wow. But what was nice talking about, what was nice about talking um, to people like Michael was, you, when you make a documentary, you can have like the narrator voice throughout and you're telling the story. Um, and Luke said that he wanted to have the voices of the people we interviewed tell the story. So mm. we could pull something out from his interview to express that idea and, and stitch it together without any voiceover. And that was like his goal. We might have had a tiny bit during some of the animated segments, but um, it's good because it wasn't limited to like what we knew about the scripture and the Bible because it right. still was like a little bit new for us. But then Luke is great at interviewing, so he could just ask people all these questions and hear them break it down. So with Michael Rue, because I know he's, you know, all these other Torah teachers, they all have good things. You know, Yehovah has, has downloaded different things to different people with, of course, the intent that we all come together, right, and learn from each other, like you did with the documentary, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So with Michael, I know a lot of people, his hallmark is this chronological gospels that he wrote. So the first time you heard that Yeshua's ministry was only 70 weeks. I mean, what do you think of that? Man, I read the whole thing, actually. Yeah, I read we have it. it. We have the- Should I read it after? I think I read it. He gave us a copy when we were here. During and the interview, went, yeah. And, and I read it after that, and I was like, oh my gosh, I never thought about this. The most interesting thing, one of the most interesting things to me was two, two interesting things. One was seeing all of the gospel stories when they repeat back to back together and see how different gospel authors tell that story. I thought that that was very intriguing. And then the other thing I really liked was just realizing that the feasts 
aren't all just Passover that are mentioned in the Gospels. And I think that was something that he mentioned where he says, this isn't, it's not just Passover on repeat. So, mm-hmm. and I never thought about that because I didn't mm. think about the feast before I started looking into this stuff. Mm, interesting. Those are two of the most interesting things. Yeah, especially yeah. when it comes to like, one of, one of the most infamous things that uh, Michael touches on and Nehemiah Gordon does as well, is John 6, 4. Does it belong in the Bible where it says a feast of the Jews was nigh? Mm. Right, uh-huh. so this is sort of one of those pieces of the puzzle that is this another Passover? Like, is it just Passover on repeat, like you said, or is it not? Because if it's Passover on repeat, well, then you get this whole gap in the timeline, which you see in the chronological gospels, going well. So, it, well, if that's the case, then we have this huge expanse of time where nothing is said about Yeshua or any of the miracles he performed, or nothing mm. for like more than a year. <laughs> that can't be right. Mm. So then you start to realize, well, yeah, that was either it was inserted as false, uh, with, with, with malintent that Michael supposes, or even at the very least, it's misrepresented as Passover and it's actually Sukkot. Mm-hmm. Mm. So then, then it makes sense because right after that is, uh, they talk, start talking about Sukkot in, yeah. in John chapter seven, but yeah. So what are some other interesting things that you learned from the folks, if you can think back to the people you interviewed and are there, are there some um, aha moments where you kind of are filming and going, wow, I didn't realize that. Do you want me to go or you? You go ahead, you got something. Okay, there was a professor in Canada, um, I think her name is Michelle Murray, and she wrote a lot about like the first century church and how initially the distinction between like, you know, what we would call Judaism and Christianity was more like, she said it was porous and talked about what the faith practices actually were of the first century church. Because most Mm -hmm. Christians are wanting to go back to like the pure faith and stuff. And in her research and understanding, it's not, looking like today's church necessarily. It's looking like a lot of these things that we think are only for Jewish people. And so it's interesting to hear her say that. Um, And then also an interview that we ended up sending a film crew to was to this woman named Galena, who is a witch. Oh goodness. And she- Oh, I think I remember that part, yes. So Luke like put questions together and stuff like that for her. And this um, videographer went and did this interview and she just had detailed descriptions of every aspect of like Easter, why the egg, why hiding them. And she also talked about just her own religious practices. Mm. And um, Because she teaches this. She teaches this yes. stuff in in a university somewhere in upstate New York, I believe, if I get it right. The overlap and, between uh, the- She teaches, yeah, yeah. The syncretism between mm-hmm. different re- religious celebrations. And then she's, she's like, it's a great thing. We need to share this stuff. And the- mm. the Christian belief is it's not a great thing. And it's usually denied that there's any syncretism. Mm. Um, She's but, like, this is an aspect of my like faith heritage, essentially. And we so, were trying to pull out the fact that there is. And we wanted to do it in a short period of time because we didn't want the whole movie to be about, oh, what's the connections between the pagan connections or origins of Christmas and Easter traditions. But we wanted to touch on that. And she was really able to help flesh that out. And yeah, a lot of her stuff was like, whoa. Mm. Blew my mind, but it lined up and she was accurate, and so we used it. And she was a, now refresh me, was she a practicing witch at that time? Yes. She was. So she knew full well these were put together. Oh, yeah, like Christmas is Easter or pagan. Yeah, she had a lot of stuff about just different traditions that were interesting and like, you know, (laughs) disturbing. Um, And she would call it Yule. She would say Yule is like the origin. Right, yep. Of, or, you know, you know the whole shtick. You know the yeah. whole story. <laughs> and then Goodness. we, um, there was a doctor, Dr. David Jockers, who is, 
forget what state he lives in, but he talked about um, animals, which animals are for food and which are not, and kind of like some of like the biological like reasoning perhaps behind mm. these like food laws and just people with shellfish allergies. And that was interesting too, to mm. flesh out that side of the A lot of the stuff you know very well. Yeah, I <laughs> so mean, Dr. You're David Jockers, guy. Kennesaw, Georgia? Yeah. That David Jockers? Yeah. He's a good friend of mine. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, he's a chiropractor, and now he's uh, doing a lot more teaching than, than chiropractic care. But yeah, he's, his website is amazing, uh, drjockers.com. Lots yeah. of great stuff there. But yeah, interesting. Wow, I didn't know you knew Dr. Jockers. How about that? Well, that's super cool. So, when you're running into all these folks and learning all these different things, is it ever in the back of your mind thinking, you know, this is kind of disjointed. It doesn't sound like any of these people agree on anything. I mean, is that, is that a concern when you're putting all this together that does this even fit together? I mean, we call it messianic for a reason, right? <laughs> I think maybe what was nice is that we were looking to stitch this together. We were looking for commonalities and there are more commonalities than disparate views, I believe. It, it, the tree trunk views seem to be mostly similar from the people we interviewed who wouldn't agree on a lot of the branches of the faith. Mm -hmm. But the tree trunk idea is that the law is still relevant to our modern day lives. And that's kind of the big shift that mm -hmm. the, the, the documentary tries to cover anyway. Yeah, because I know not everybody agrees with Michael's uh, research of the 70 weeks. Mm -hmm. Either they, they don't, totally don't agree with it or they just don't see it as, at this time or whatever. But mm -hmm. yeah, so there, so there are certain things then that other teachers teach that are just, hey, okay, that's your thing. That's great. And if people get it, they get it. But so you see this as, so Torah is the tree trunk. What, what else did you find that were like absolute, oh yeah, everybody just does this and the rest is whatever. Well, they all believe that we're atoned for by the blood of Yeshua. I mean, yeah, that's the like biggest the thing. Gospel, the gospel, the core gospel the, is the same, yeah. yeah. That's what I think people miss, right? Because our Christian friends who look at us going, you're trying to make works is save you. And you're like, no, 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 that's not it. So do you think that all of these folks said enough in there that, that people, if they were thinking that, would get this? That yes, all these people agree, we're not saved by works. Yeah, that's part of what I like about the documentary and doing the interviews is you see no one that we interviewed believed that. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and they even were trying to say, how do we get this across that faith is here, works are here, it's two separate things. Law is here, you could say. And anyway. There's a section in the, um, the, the movie has like sections. So there's like a bit of history, then there's um, some like even... I call it the fight scene in the way where it's like one guy talking about what Paul said and one guy talking about but this says and, and the camera is like slapping back and forth. like a, It's like the closest we could get to a fight about the Bible or whatever. But um, so there's that kind of breaking that down and then there's a bit that shows just what people's lives feel like, like getting ready for Shabbat or keeping a feast. But in part of the um, more theological, like teasing out the ideas there is a guy named Brian Barnes who talks about how he didn't have a category in his mind for why you would keep laws that didn't mm. have to do with earning your salvation. And so he talked about that and how, you know, Israel was saved out of Egypt and then they got the, the Torah. And um, how the instructions yeah. in life is what the Torah is. And the, the faith in this blood atonement of, a, mm. of the Messiah is, is yeah. separate. So. We're going to continue this next week because we're out of time. But no, this is good. This is a wonderful conversation. I'm surprised how fast it's flown by. But uh, if people have never seen The Way, 
and obviously it's widely distributed, what is the best way to help you guys continue what you're doing on your next project? Where should folks get this? Our site is thewaydoc.com, doc, like D-O-C, like documentary. Okay. And that has The Way, that also has the extended edition, which has like Michael Rood's entire interview. It's 10 hours of all the full interviews of like oh, the people wow. we talked about. Okay. So they can get that as well there. Well, we're going to talk about your, your next project next time and then your book the time after that. So let's uh, hang on and you hang on too. We'll see you next time on Shabbat Night Live. Until then, Shavuot Tov.